the throne. And we need to view it in that light. Otherwise, we'll start talking, walking towards Emmaus. We'll start moving away from the things that God has called us. One of the things that I always love about the Word of God is I want to show you the good nature and the character of God. Because if we are honest, guys, see, one thing I've realized, even in my own life, as I study the Bible and as I read the Word, it is so easy for us to look at the disciples and shake our head. Like, guys, what are you doing? This is so stupid. But sometimes we just need to look in the mirrors. A lot of the times we, we do exactly the same thing. We do exactly the same thing. And that's why our faith is not in us. Our faith is in a loving Savior that conquers the grave. In a, a loving Savior that conquers our sin, our, our, our brokenness, our weakness, and holds us together. Look at what verse 15 says. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Do you see the mercy of God to these two disobedient disciples that felt that things were too hostile, it's too broken, all we've suffered is lost. Let us start walking away. Let's leave the other disciples. Let's start walking where it's a bit more safe. What does Jesus do? Starts walking to them. Draws near. He draws near. And I love what it says. It's, it's such a promise of God, Emmanuel, God with us. He draws near and he walks with them. And that's still the testimony for us today, that God is drawing near and he walks with us. You are not alone. See, it is easy for these guys. See, their confession could be, did we suffer loss? Yes. Was things a mess? Yes. But the one confession that they could not have was that they were alone. Because they had Jesus. Jesus was drawing near. Jesus was walking with them. And guys, let's be honest. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that is sometimes so hard to navigate. But according to God's word, what I want to promise you is that you're not alone. That he draws near. That he draws near. We are never alone. He's always willing to come alongside us and walk in us. Yes, maybe there's confusion. Yes, maybe there's brokenness. Yes, maybe life is not working out the way that you thought it would. But he is near. He is ready to be found. Verse 16. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. One thing I study in the Bible, and it came out when we were doing the worship. One thing that always concerned me is how many times Jesus would preach, having eyes they do not see. Having eyes they do not see. These are two disciples that knew Jesus, walked three years in ministry with him, left everything to follow him, but they were unable to recognize. And guys, let's be honest. In the reality, in the natural, sometimes it's so hard for us when we are focused on what this life is that we can lose sight of God. We can lose vision. And as I was prepping this week, my prayer is that God would lift our gaze again, that God would lift our gaze above the hurt, above the pain, whatever we are facing, that we would be able to view Him again. See, the only thing that they could see was a tomb. The, the, the thing that they, saw, that they saw and what they knew about was that Jesus died. The thing that they didn't see was that he was resurrected. Instead of going to the tomb, they started to walk away. What are we viewing? What are we seeing? Are we still seeing Jesus? Do we just see Jesus 
as the Savior that died, or do we see Jesus as the risen King, the Lord of everything, the one that holds all things together by the power of His Word, that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is now at work in us. We are not stuck in our mess. We're not stuck in our mess. There is power available if we can view Jesus as the resurrected King. There's resurrection power for us, but we need to lift our gaze. But their eyes were kept from recognizing Him and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered, said, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened uh, there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to them, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man. The wrong confession. Look at the confession. A man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and before God, and all these uh, that yo, mighty indeed, and word before God, and all the uh, and all the people, and how our chief priest has delivered him um, up for the con- uh, and condemned it to death and crucified him. A man, and let me tell you, one of the greatest ploys of the world at this stage is the one to make Jesus a mere man. Jesus is not a man; he is Lord, and he needs to be Lord because if he's not Lord, he does not have the power to forgive. If he's not Lord, he does not have the right to pardon you. He needs to be Lord to be able to say, I have the power to condemn and to give life. I choose to give you life. He needs to be Lord. And these are his disciples that walked with him. I said, he was a man. He was a prophet. See, sometimes it's not, just, it's not good enough to just know what Jesus can do. You need to know Jesus. See, their confession was he was mighty in power. He was mighty in deed. But the image of Jesus was wrong. He was a man. He was a prophet. No, he is Lord. And it's the same for us, Christian. One of the biggest attacks on your faith would be to make Jesus less than what he is. He needs to say Lord. See, and what that means is when my life is going good, he is Lord. When my life is a mess, he is Lord. When things work out, he's Lord. When things don't work out, he is Lord. He always remains Lord. His Lordship does not, is not dictated by the circumstances of my life. His Lordship is because of who he is. He is God. He is mighty. He is worthy of my praise. If things work out or it doesn't work out, I don't care, Lord. You are good. Amen. He is Lord. He is Lord. We need to be able to see Jesus in His Lordship. And it's in Jesus' Lordship where our lives are no longer our own. It's in His Lordship that we submit. We don't submit to a man. We submit to God. God who created all things. Knows how it's supposed to work. Knows how to give joy. Knows how to give glory. That's under what we submit. It's His Lordship. So their confession is wrong. A man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Such a weird statement. And as I was reading this, I was reminded, some of us, see, the problem is Jesus doesn't look that beautiful. Jesus doesn't look that beautiful if you don't see yourself as the mess. See, if it's not, the, if it's not your cross, he didn't die for your sins, Jesus doesn't look beautiful. I remember when Luke was preaching on Friday, he said he was a pastor's son. I wasn't. I was probably the devil's son. Though I said I was a Christian, I did everything. I remember I went to a men's camp. And I didn't know the word, to be very honest with you. Although I said I was a Christian. 
I remember these men, they, they, the, the preachers, the pastors, they, 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 they took out scriptures, and it was about all these things God hates. And it was like this checking exercise for me. God hates lies, and I'm like, oops. God hates fornicators, I'm like, oosh. God hates this, God hates this. And I found myself on the opposite of what God loves. And I remember there was this real sense of animosity between me and the creator of the world. Although I said I was a Christian, that I didn't know him, and that I was actually living a life that was in complete disobedience to him. And I remember that as I sat there, fear started to fill my heart. And I was like, this is going to end bad for me. Like if I die today, I know where I'm going. I remember expecting God to smack me. Say, how can you not see? How can you call yourself a Christian and you do these things? And instead of getting a smack, I got a hug. And I remember the mercy of God. I I was so flabbergasted as a, I think I was 23 years old. How could God love this mess? How could God love a man that said, Lord, I'm a Christian. Yeah, sometimes I read the word. I know about you. I, I, I was basically a Christian because I wasn't a Satanist. That's my Christianity. Jesus comes with love and mercy. He says, I'll have you. I'm not some royal pedigree. He says, I want you. I want you to be my son. I'll die for your sins. That's what makes Jesus beautiful. Jesus needs to become eternal. He needs to be personal. He needs to be in here. It's not good enough that we know that he died. He died for me. He died for my sins, my brokenness, my weakness. And let me say it like this. It wasn't just when I was lost. He still died for me while I'm walking this road and I stumble about looking for sanctification. As I walk this road of Christianity, it's not always easy. In my, in my Christian walk, with it's been like 13, 14 years. I remember one season where I backslid so hard. Which is a terrible place to be, really. Terrible place to be. And I remember going back to a church. I shared this with Tony the other day. I remember in that period where I was backsliding, and I knew I was backsliding, but I was so angry. I was so lost. And I remember the first scripture God gives me. This is going to scare you a bit, but please hear me out. So I started to play this game with God, where I get very emotional, and then I want God to give me a scripture to say how much he loves me and how good he is. And that. I remember the one day I opened my Bible and I opened it up to the scripture. It says, because you keep on backsliding, I will destroy you. I promise you, it, it ripped me. And I thought, yep, there God said it. Yeah, this is not going to end well for you. And probably two months later, somebody invited me to a Bible study, which was very crazy. And if I say I'm backslidden, guys, I promise you, I was so backslidden. I literally, one of my friends who was a Christian, I said to him, let's fight and let's see if God protects you. I was so, I was so broken. I was so arrogant. Probably, like I said, two months later, somebody invites me to a Bible study by, like, praise the Lord. (laughs) They had boldness. I remember they said everybody needs to share scripture. So the last scripture I read is God telling me he's going to destroy me. (laughs) Don't think that's going to go off too well. And I say this little prayer, and I'm like, Lord, would you speak to me? I open up the word. I find this parable where Jesus talks about the tree that doesn't bear fruit, and he wants to cut it down and throw it in the fire. And then Jesus pleads and says, give it, give it a year. Give it a year. Let me tend to it. Let's see if it draws fruit. And it was probably within a year where I got saved again, recommitted, set on fire to love God and to run his race. 
It needs to be personal. It's not just that he saved me there. God is still saving me today. God is still sustaining me. God is keeping me on track. When I stumble, he picks me up. He says, come on, son, we can do this. Go forward. Don't give up. This is what God calls us to. You need to be personal. Look at their confession. So firstly, they, they, they point to past events. Then they fail to see. Then it's how they crucified him. And look what happens at the end, verse 21. And, and it's also that something that's really been lingering kind of in the, in the worship. Look at their confession. But we had hoped that we, he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hope. And hope is gone. I remember one of the pastors that I listened to as a young Christian, he said this. He said, a man without hope is a man without a future. And a man without a future will always run back to his past. Hope is something vital for us as believers. It is the hope of the resurrection. That's why they didn't have hope. They knew Jesus as a Jesus that was crucified. They knew Jesus that was a Jesus that was dead in a tomb. But the Bible says the hope of the resurrection. We need the hope of the resurrection in our life. Whatever you are stumbling with today, whatever you are struggling with, there is hope in the resurrection. Jesus, you can conquer this in my life. Jesus, you can bring me victory in this area of my life. Jesus, you can take me forward. We need hope. See, hope we think is this this wishy-washy, hopeful thinking, kind of cheap thing, where the Bible says hope is maturity. But it's under persecution where hope, character is built and, and, and character forms hope. We need hope. We need to hold on to hope. And one thing that came out in the worship is God just wanting to come and restore people's hope. Restore the hope. Maybe that hope is God. How dare I call myself a Christian? How dare I sit here? I'm a mess. That's the whole point of the cross. The cross was because of you. The whole point of the cross is this public declaration that you will fall short and that you won't make it. That's the point of the cross. There's no sin greater than the cross. But there's resurrection. There's power. We don't have to be stuck. We had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed that they were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that um, they had seen a vision of angels who said to them, He's alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Again, we need to be able to see. And he said to them, Oh foolish ones, love Jesus. Love Jesus. Don't feather his hair. He'll call the spade the spade. O foolish one, and slow of heart to believe that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things, then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, and that's what we're going to do now. We're going to start with Moses. and Some of you picked it up. Some of you, who's Moses? <laughs> And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Tony said this, it's not good enough to know about Jesus. We need to know Jesus. I remember at one stage in in my Christian walk, I loved the word because I was such a dumb man. 
that when I started, uh, my first pastor that I went to, I said, to, I, I read a book. And I was very proud because I don't read. <laughs> so I came to him and I said to him, Pastor, I read this book. And he said, stop reading the book. Read the Bible. That's why I'm so staunch. It wasn't gentle hands that were shaping me. It was very hard hands. And I started to read the word and study the word. And I love the word. But I remember in one stage where I started to actually lose my passion for God. But I would know the word. And I would listen to seven, eight sermons a day. I really, I was like a sponge. And I remember one day sitting and, and, and I felt like, yes, there's just a disconnect between me and God. I went and I prayed and God gave me a scripture. He said, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Don't just study this book to know this book. Study the book to know the author. Study the book to find Jesus. And let me say that in the day and age that we live, we better know this book. Because he can be found in this book. There's been many times in my life where everything inside of my life contradicts what I should believe. But because I know the book, because I know the author of the book, I was able to stand firm and say, but Lord, you said... Lord, your word says that I'm not forsaken. Your word says, God, you will redeem me. Your word says, God, you will sustain me. Hold on to the word. It is, it is, it is crazy for me to think Jesus could have just revealed himself, but he goes back to the scriptures. He starts explaining, look, it's me. Story of Moses, it's me. Story of the prophets, it's me. Look what happens. So they drew near to the village to where they were going. He acted as, see, Jesus was an actor. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. I love that that's their confession. They don't see him yet. But as he ministers the word, faith is starting to build up. And they start getting hungry. And they start urging him, Don't go, don't go, come, come stay with us, come in. This is a random man that they met on, on a road. They don't see him as Jesus yet. But because he could interpret the word, because he could minister the word, they're like, please stay with us. And may we have that same hunger inside of us. May we have that same hunger and devotion to the word of God that we urge, like, Lord, don't, don't take it away from me, Lord, I want to know it. Reveal yourself in Scripture. We need to be hungry. Stay with us, for it is towards evening and the day was far spent. So he went to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. For me, it's so crazy to think of that moment. This is not the first time they, they, they heard of communion or partake of communion. In the last supper, Jesus did exactly the same. But now it took on a whole other meaning. When he broke that bread, like, that's your body, we saw it, it was broken. Pour out that blood. Jesus, that was your blood. We saw you die for us. But now he's standing there living. Standing there living. Just imagine what they felt. Imagine what they saw. How that bread tasted. How that, that, that wine tasted. Because they saw finally, it's Jesus. It came to pass. I love this. Blessed and broken and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And this is, my, this is my hope. This is my hope for us for the rest of the year. This is my hope for the rest of your life. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened us to us the scripture? 
Guys, what this world needs more than a revival, what this world needs more than a new political party or ESCOM to sort out its nonsense, what this world needs is people on fire for God. People that this is their confession. Did not our hearts burn as we open our houses to other people, as we lay down our lives to serve others? Did not our hearts burn because of Him? Because of Him, I'm burning. Because of Him, I'm able to go out in boldness. Because of Him, I preach the good news. Because of Him, I'm able to forgive. Because of Him, I'm able to stand. Because our hearts are burning. We should never settle for for hearts that are, are just content. There should be this holy discontent. One of the confessions of Paul that always blows my mind. This is a man that told dead people to stop being dead and they listened. This is a man that walked in immense amount of power. And not just power, he walked through great persecution, but he kept on holding on to Jesus. And then he would say this, if only I may know him. I'm like, bro, you tell dead people to stop being dead and they listen. You know him, you're walking in his power, but he had this holy discontentment in him. Lord, there's more. And we need to be careful as Christians that we get to this place, but I know Jesus. I know this story. I know the resurrection story. I know about the cross. No, 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 no. Be very careful of familiarity. There should be a holy discontentment in me. God, I want to keep burning. And as you quench that fire, more fire, more fire. Stir up fire in me. This is where I hope we're going. Said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Look at what happens. And then they rose that same hour and returned. See, because he rose, we can rise. Because he rose, we can rise. Because the resurrection is real, there is power for us to stand. And I love these two men, these two disciples that walk away, these two men that forsake the other disciples and start fleeing to a place that's maybe a bit more safe. After seeing Jesus, like, uh uh-uh, he's worth it, we'll go back. We'll go back to where there's hostility. We'll go back where there's maybe confusion. We'll go back because we know that's where he wants us. There's power to rise. There's power to rise because he's resurrected. 